This is Asia in Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of Asia in Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from our experts in Asia Pacific on the issues that matter most to businesses. Hi, everyone. This is Angela Mancini, partner at Control Risks, and I lead the Asia Pacific Markets Group. Today, we're going to speak about the surprise results of the elections in Thailand that took place just a little over a week ago. At the time, we recorded a podcast where we spoke at length about the possibility for electoral change and what it might mean for businesses looking to choose Thailand as a key expansion market for supply chains as they continue moving into Southeast Asia. What we saw with the May 14th election was an overwhelming win by the opposition over the incumbent pro-military government that had taken power in a coup in 2014. But surprisingly, it was not the pre-election favorite Thaksin Shinawatra's Poor Thai Party that led the landslide, but rather the progressive move forward party that's now emerged as the largest party. But it's not over because now, of course, they have to actually form the government if they can. What does all this mean for business? This is what we're here to discuss today. We wanted to revisit the subject of Thailand and the elections with Harrison Cheng, our lead analyst for Southeast Asia here at Control Risks. The people of Thailand have signaled a desire for change that could breathe new life into the country's democratic politics and spark an economic transformation that it badly needs. If the opposition secures power, which is by no means a guaranteed outcome, but it's becoming more credible by the day, then investors should already be preparing for the impacts and opportunities to come. That was Harrison Cheng, Director and Southeast Asia Lead Analyst based here in our Singapore office. Harrison, it's great to have you back discussing the subject again of the Thailand elections, especially given uh, what has happened and, and what a surprise it's been. Can you talk us through what happened with this landslide win and what are the implications? Thanks, Angela. Glad to be back. I think the opposition right now leads the race to form you know, a majority government with about 300 plus seats out of a total of 500 in the lower house. So they just need a simple majority of 250 seats. Whereas the incumbent government, the incumbent coalition only has about 170 odd seats. So clearly the opposition has a significant numerical advantage. And the reason why, you know, I think political observers have mentioned this after the election, that they were all really taken by surprise by how Move Forward emerged as the largest party. And it's a lot to do with the kind of discontent that the youth particularly have experienced over the economic situation in Thailand the crackdown on pro-democracy protests in 2020 and 2021. And I think the desire for a shakeup after about nine years under a military slash pseudo-military rule. The other point is that there were changes in electoral rules this time compared to 2019 when the last election was held, which really benefited the mid and larger sized parties. And I think why it's important to point out that move forward, you know, it was able to achieve the result that it had on 14th of May because that seems to be a significant desire for change and a shift away from old school populist politics played by poor Thai, which, you know, if you remember, had won every single election since 2001 uh, up to this point, up to 2019. Uh, and now we see move forward really penetrating even the poor Thai strongholds in the north, uh, even in Bangkok when it swept all but one of the seats. And I think this is really a pivotal moment for, for Thai politics. And Thai politics is very tricky because it's not so easy just to win an election and then form a government. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. Can you walk us through some of the scenarios of what is actually going to happen next? 
So the key event that would affect all the scenarios that we're talking about is essentially what the Senate will do. The Senate, 250 members, uh, were all handpicked by Prayut, the Prime Minister, and his deputy, Prawit Wong Suban, uh, back in 2019. The Senate has a role in choosing the next Prime Minister. He has to join with the lower house, and whoever is able to get 376 out of 750 seats uh, in a combined parliamentary sitting will become the next Prime Minister. Now, uh, there are various scenarios where the opposition would still be able to form the government. It just depends on whether they are able to get the Senate support. Now, for Move Forward, being the progressive Liberal Party that it is, it has several pretty radical reform proposals on the table, including one to amend the less majestic law uh, that affects the monarchy, abolishing of uh, military conscription, for example. So it's possible that, you know, if Move Forward is not able to form the government, it's not able to get the support from the Senate who are generally conservative and pro-military, you might actually see a scenario where Puertai becomes the sort of compromise party that leads the formation of an opposition coalition that includes support from some of the parties in the current government. I think most of the people who voted in the election would want to see an opposition government come into power. But whether a poor Thai government would be seen as acceptable to them would really depend on who they include from in the current government. So if they include a pro-military party like the Pralang Pracharat Party, uh, that may actually create a fairly unstable post-government formation landscape. There is another scenario that we want to talk about, which is what if the incumbent government actually is able to team up with the Senate to form a government? Uh, and it's not inconceivable because the Senate has 250 seats. So actually, whoever wants to become the next prime minister just needs to get, you know, just 100 over seats from the lower house. But I think that this scenario is particularly unstable because it creates a minority government that will probably fall at the very first hurdle. Whenever parliament reopens and the lower house is dominated by the opposition, that prime minister, whoever is being chosen from the military side, uh, is going to basically be voted out, you know, via a vote of no confidence. Those are the sort of three scenarios where move forward forms the government, poor Thai forms the government, or the incumbent coalition forms the government. But I think the final one I want to talk about is about a coup. And I think in Thailand, you can never get away with not talking about a coup because Thailand has had 13 successful uh, military coups in the past century. And the military is still very much entrenched uh, in politics. So in a scenario where it seems quite clear that the opposition is going to form the government, there could be conservative elements that could push the military to make a decisive move to essentially keep Thailand under military rule for years on end until they are able to hold elections which are heavily engineered to ensure again, like in 2019, that a pro-military party gets to form the government. So I think that scenario has always has to be kept in the picture. So what does that then imply for social unrest risk? Because, you know, as you've mentioned, Thailand has a history of coups and it has a history of civil unrest associated with those coups. And that's one key question that our clients are asking us about in terms of stability in the kind of uh, more near to medium term. What do you make of that? So I think right now the good thing is that the security situation in Bangkok is pretty calm, right? We had celebratory demonstrations after the vote several hundred people turning up in Bangkok to, to show support for Move Forward and the opposition. Um, but I think the tensions are just brimming underneath the surface. And I think that the risk of social unrest is really still there. And it's dependent on how badly the current incumbent coalition wants to hang on to power. If they start using extra parliamentary tactics to thwart the opposition, for example, party dissolution of Move Forward, which is possible because Move Forward has spoken a lot about reforming the less majestic law, 
they could go for a targeted disqualification of uh, Pita, which is the move forward candidate for prime minister because of an existing case around his shareholdings in a media company. They could seek to even nullify the election results, you know, by saying that, you know, there were several electoral irregularities, which means that we have to restart the whole process. Now, that's something that, you know, the Thai conservatives have done before, back in 2005. And they could possibly do this again. The election commission, if it's able to deliver the official results by mid-July, as is being planned right now, uh, that will probably stave off quite a bit of the tension. But if they repeatedly delay the issuance of those official results, it probably means that there are some machinations in the back. They are trying to buy time for the incumbent coalition to find a way for them to stay in power. And that could possibly also trigger protests. Okay, that brings us to the next question, which is, what does this all mean for businesses? So as you know, this quarter, Thailand had a very strong GDP growth compared to the same time last quarter, almost double what it was the previous quarter, all to say that it's been experiencing a really strong economic growth rebound post-COVID. There's a lot of eyes looking at the big infrastructure projects, including the Eastern Economic Corridor, and a lot of businesses, again, looking at Thailand for a key supply chain market, given everything else that's happening across Asia. So what does all this mean in terms of business uncertainty and what investors should be thinking about as they are preparing themselves for the various scenarios you just outlined? So I think in the immediate term, right, we're talking about the next few weeks from now. Now is you know, mid-May. The most salient risk for our investors and our clients will be really the security and operational risks that arise from unrest. And of course, in this case, we have advised our clients to sort of map out their exposure to unrest and political violence as these things could escalate quite quickly and ensure that they have the right mitigations in place, that people are being protected, their assets are being protected. Um, looking further into the third and fourth quarters of this year, I think under an opposition-led government, which is still possible, you know, businesses should expect the opposition to fulfill some of their, some if not all, of their electoral pledges. One of which, a very critical one, is a bump in the minimum wage. And given that Move Forward and Poor Thai have both promised uh, minimum wage uh, hikes um, as much as double, actually, of what is currently the, the daily minimum wage of about 300 plus baht, this is going to put pressure on sectors, obviously, that are very labor intensive, for example, manufacturing, construction, and of course, these will have trickle-down effects on the cost of dealing out some of these infrastructure projects in the coming years. Thailand is still trying to resolve some of the labor shortages in these sectors, so that will only add to the sort of operational cost. But this wage hike is, is not all bad because it will also increase the spending power of the local consumers. And the government is also going to push out more domestic stimulus measures that will lift up consumer spending and benefit sectors like retail, F&B, banking. And the government will also continue the good work that well, Prayut has done by opening the Thai borders and allowing uh, tourism inflows to really drive the economic growth over the past quarter. One important thing is that Move Forward has also promised to strengthen any anti-monopoly laws. And I think what it will do is to try and break some of the monopolies in traditional industries like retail, energy and telcos, which are currently being dominated by one or two local conglomerates. And so if they are able to sort of execute this, this could make the sectors more competitive and free up space for foreign players in the coming years. And that will be quite a major shakeup of the Thai economy. The good thing about Move Forward and Poor Thai is that they both, based on their policy platforms, are going to continue with a lot of the pro-FDI policies that have been instituted under the pro-military government. So for example, FDI incentives for EVs, energy transition. So this is a good time as any to consider investing in Thailand because that kind of policy continuity can be expected. 
Move Forward has talked about the need to move Thailand up the value-added global supply chain. And I think what that would translate into is that they will push for more local content requirements, more technology transfer policies, uh, so as to ensure that Thailand is not just functioning as uh, one component of that global supply chain, but playing a more integrated role. Move Forward has talked about getting into the semiconductor industry, possibly moving away from just the packaging and assembly part of that supply chain, but even possibly um, engineering some of the components themselves. So I think all this really points to an opposition-led government being able to pioneer and spearhead economic policy in a more progressive, more open mind than what the pro-military government has been able to do over the past four to nine years, actually. And so I think if the opposition-led government is able to come into power, that would be a boost for Thailand, that would be a boost for foreign investors and for the people. That's really helpful. Thanks for that. So it sounds like if we do have an opposition-led government, regardless if it's led by poor tire, move forward, while there may be ups and downs for businesses, some of the downside maybe being a the minimum wage hikes, there's a lot of upsides as well. And so definitely good news for the economy going forward if you are a foreign investor. But to your point earlier, you can never rule out the possibility of a coup. And there are still a number of um, political machinations that the current government could also undertake to nullify the election or keep power in some way. So it's obviously one to watch. And certainly we hope that we'll have an answer in July and not have it be delayed further, because I do know that a lot of clients are saying to us that the longer it takes to resolve is the more, of course, political uncertainty and then therefore business uncertainty that they're looking at. So Harrison, thank you again for such a terrific discussion. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. That's all for today's Asia in Focus. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to our podcast channel so that you can receive all new episodes just as soon as they're released. And if you're looking for more such analysis and insights from our experts all over the world, please visit the Our Thinking section on controlrisk.com website. Thank you and look forward to next time. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of Asia in Focus, be sure to subscribe and make sure to check out our other podcasts as well. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we're helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.